through studying the word of God, I have become acutely aware that one of the many benefits we derive from the word of God, one of the many benefits we derive from the word of God is peace. According to one definition, peace is freedom of the mind from annoyance, freedom of the mind from distraction, freedom of the mind from anxiety. Another definition says peace is a state of mental calm and serenity with no anxiety. How ideal that is. And when we think about it, annoyances, distractions, and anxieties is something that we all have in common. And all three of those have in common. Why? Because all three are influences. Listen, all three annoyances, distractions, and anxieties are influence derived from external situations with the potential to disturb our peace. The potential, that's an important word, to disturb our peace. I say potential because how we respond to the annoyances, how we respond to the distractions, how we respond to the anxieties determines whether they can or cannot disturb our peace. I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. So according to these definitions, we can conclude that peace is a state of mental calm that transcends external situations. It transcend means to go beyond them. And if in fact peace is a state of mental calm that transcends external situations, then we cannot expect peace to come from external situations. Does that make sense to you? If external situations are the, are the reasons that, that disturb our, that have the potential to disturb our peace, then we cannot expect peace to come from external situations. In other words, peace of mind cannot be found in the physical, cannot be found in the psychological, and it cannot be found in the material things of this world. That makes sense to you? We can't find peace in the physical things of this world, the psychological things of this world, or the material things of this world. Peace is a state of mental calm that transcends the physical. It transcends the psychological, and it transcends the material things of this world. We'll come back to that in a moment. Now, the annoyances the distractions, the anxieties with the potential to disturb our peace. These are generalizations. So I'm going to get a little bit more specific, if I may. First, among the annoyances with the potential to disturb our peace are the cares of this life. These are the most disruptive. The cares of this life have the potential to disturb 
our peace of mind. In this context, care is merim, excuse me, merimna, 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 M-E-R-I-M-N-A, merimna, cares, merimna, here it is, that which brings destruction, excuse me, that which brings disruption to the personality and the mind. The cares of this world do just that too. They bring disruption to the per your personality and to the mind. It, it, it affects your personality. You get kind of edgy and you get testy, as they say. So the cares of this life are the obligations of existence that demand our attention on a daily basis. Don't you kind of get tired of all those demands that you have every day? There's just everything is a demand. Even, sometimes even brushing your teeth can be a demand that you don't want to do. Everything just seems like a demand. And the cares of this life are our daily interactions with the world. The cares of this life are our daily interactions with the world that can alter our mood. You can get up feeling great and positive and everything, go to work or go, go somewhere, and all of a sudden someone says something and it just, just takes, it, takes all, the, all the, 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 the enthusiasm out of you. You just want to go back home and get, jump back in the bed. The cares of this life are our daily interactions with the world that alter our mood, can make us angry, can make us sad, can frustrate us, or even depress us. The cares of this life are chronic situations. You know what chronic means? They don't go away. They're just there. The chronic uh, cares of the, the, uh, the cares of this life are chronic situations that challenge our ability to endure and potentially disturb our peace. The cares of this life are chronic situations that challenge our ability to endure. Paul says you got to endure hardness like a soldier. Peter gave us a word, some words of comfort, though. He says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. So to cast is to throw something out. Just throw out your cares. Throw out all that anger. Throw out all that, uh, all that frustration. Throw out all that depression. Just throw it out with the trash. And it's interesting to note now that Peter would use the term cast because he was a fisherman. And in fishing, he would cast his nets. So he would throw them out on the ocean. So he like, says, like casting your net on the ocean, throw out your cares on the Lord. Why? Because he cares for you. And if you throw them out on the ocean, hopefully the tide will just take them on out. And they won't come back. But they're chronic. So they do. But we must understand now that because we have been truly born again, we belong to Christ Jesus. And guess what? What concerns us concerns him. We belong to Christ Jesus. And what concerns us concerns him. What interests us interests him. He knows firsthand what it's like to exist in this evil and wicked world. Let us not forget. He knows what it's like to be frustrated. He had 12 disciples. One was a, one was a traitor and the other one was a, a, a coward. So he only had 10. And those 10 wouldn't even stay and pray with him. 
But he went to the cross on our behalf and in our place because he knows. That's why we can cast our cares on him because he knows what it is like to be us. David says it very well. Psalm 55, 22. He says it. He actually, Peter was echoing David because David says, cast thy burden on the Lord and he will sustain thee. He will bear both thee and thy burden. Whoa. Cast thy burden upon the Lord and he will sustain. He will keep you. He will bear both thee and thy burden. So the cares of this life are the burdens we bear every day. However, through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, David reveals that we can cast our burdens, cast out our burdens. We can throw them to the Lord and he will sustain us. He will give us the strength and the fortitude we need to endure. But you know what's interesting about trying to endure with chronic situations? The scripture says, once we're saved and sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, we walk by faith and not by sight. We live, walk by faith and not by sight. However, the problem is our flesh walks by faith. I mean, walks by by sight and not by faith. Our flesh walks by sight and not by faith. So while we're trying to walk by faith and not by sight, our flesh is walking by sight and not by faith. And there's the dichotomy. And because it's faith, it has to be, it's being tested. Because it can't, we can't go with by what we see. We have to trust the Lord and cast our burden to him and believe that he will bring us out. And if he doesn't bring us out, it says he will sustain us. In other words, he will keep us while we're dealing with it. He'll keep us strong. He'll keep us with joy. He'll keep us with contentment. He'll keep us with hope. That, that's how he will sustain us. But our flesh is going, going berserk. Are you getting this? Next, the, the, the distractions with the potential to disturb our peace are circumstances beyond our control that are most intrusive. Circumstances beyond our control that are most intrusive. Intrusive means they appear where they're not welcome. (laughs) Intrusive means they appear where they are not, they're unwelcome. Intrusive means the circumstances are uninvited disturbances that force us to respond and demand our attention without compromise. They demand our attention without compromise. We have to give it our attention. Very often circumstances beyond our control are usually and very often the results of choices we didn't even make. They're almost always the result of someone else's choices that directly or indirectly affect us. And because these circumstances are unwelcome and because these circumstances are uninvited, they intrude into our lives and force us to make extreme sacrifices for the sake of another, which then threatens to disturb our peace. It's making sense to you. Paul says, brethren, if any man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, 
Restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. And here it comes. Bear ye one another's burden. And so fulfill the law of Christ. That's Galatians 6 1. Galatians 6 1. Bear ye one another, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Sometimes, very often also, when we are involved in circumstances beyond our control, it's because someone close to us was overtaken in a fall. Very often, when we're involved in circumstances beyond our control, it is because someone close to us has been overtaken in a fault. They have succumbed to the temptations of their carnal desires and the burden or remedy for their dire situation. Guess where it falls? On us. And because we are born again believers, we are commanded to bear one another's burden. He says this is the law of Christ by which we must live. Why? Because we must love one another. And that's a, the fulfillment of the law. And so if we love one another, we will bear one another's burden. Now, you know, it's easy to bear. It's actually easier to bear someone else's burden than to bear your own. But the problem is, what happens when you still got to bear your burden and you're bearing the burden of somebody else? Well, he says, take that first burden and, and cast it out. So you got room now to bear somebody else's burden. And if you're bearing their burden, then someone else will bear your burden. Did you get that? If you bear someone else's burden, he says we're supposed to bear one another's burden. So if I'm bearing someone else's burden, then you can bear my burden. And all of our burdens get burdened in it. And when you think about it, how we how how can we expect to cast our cares on the Lord if we're not willing to bear the burdens of others? Because he's willing to bear our burden. And it relates to how we must support one another. Paul says, brethren. Be not weary in well doing. Doing farewell, doing well for others can make us weary. Doing well for others can make us weary and threaten our peace. Galatians 6, 9, he says, but we will reap in due season. We will reap in due season if we faint not. The Paul, uh, be not weary was 2 Thessalonians 3, 13. Be not weary in well-doing is 2 Thessalonians 3, 13. We will reap in due season is Galatians 6, 9, if we faint not. If you faint not. Well, knowing we shall reap in due season motivates us then, doesn't it? It motivates us. It means, in other words, we're not enduring this without hope. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. So it motivates us to continue in well-doing. Now, among, finally, among the anxieties with the potential to disturb our peace is the fear of death which seems to dominate our minds. As human beings, we are innately fearful of the unknown. We are innately afraid of the unknown. Why? Because I don't know what it is. 
And therefore, we innately fear death because death is an unknown. Shakespeare said it very well. He said, the undiscovered country whose born no traveler returns puzzles the will and makes cowards of us all. Hmm. However, according to scripture, fear of death should not make us cowards. Fear of death should not disturb the peace of those who have been born again. Why? Because one of the many things Jesus accomplished on the cross was to deliver us from the fear of death. That's one of the things he came to do. Hebrews 2.14. Hebrews 2.14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself took part of the same. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil and deliver them who the through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So there's no reason, no reason at all for any soul that has been born of the water and born of the spirit to fear death. Water baptism is not only the right that cleanses the soul from sin, Water baptism symbolizes death to the body of sin and resurrection of the soul to everlasting life in Christ Jesus. Romans 6.3. Romans 6.3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ and free from sin, we believe that we shall also live with Christ, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. Is that what it says? So if we clearly understand that Christ Jesus is the first human being to die and resurrect to everlasting life, then we know that just as Christ died and resurrected, we who are born of the water and of the spirit have really already died. We've died to sin and we have resurrected with him. This body of flesh just has to catch up with what happened. So by our faith and confidence in the word of God, we know that not only has Christ delivered us from the fear of death, he has delivered us from death. We are delivered. We've been delivered from sin. We've been delivered uh, uh, from death. We've been delivered from hell. We've been delivered from the grave. We have been delivered. We don't have to ask to be delivered. The day that you repented of your sins, the day that you went down in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins, and the day you received the indwelling of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in tongues, is the day that you got delivered. Not only were you delivered, you were healed from sin. You were healed and you were delivered permanently. Why? Because everything that God does is eternal and everything that God does is permanent. That's why you cannot backslide because when he saves you, you're saved. No one can pluck you out of his hand. Not even you. Not even your flesh. And that's our confidence. Hmm. Now earlier I said annoyances, distractions, and anxieties have the potential to disturb our peace. I say potential because, as I said earlier, how we respond to them determines whether they can or cannot disturb our peace. 
But that's, that's hard. That's difficult. That, that's difficult to how you respond to an annoyance. You can't annoy, ignore it. How you respond to a distraction, you can't ignore it. How you respond to anxieties, you can't ignore them. They're there. So how do you? How, how do you? Because they're right there in your faith. They're chronic. Philippians 4, 6. The word of God tells us exactly how we should respond to situations that threaten our peace and how we can have peace of mind in the midst of the storm. Philippians 4, 6. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And what will happen, Paul? And the peace of God, which passes all understanding. What will it do? It will keep your heart and your minds. How? Through Christ Jesus. And so we're not without hope. We know how to handle the annoyances. We know how to handle the distractions. We know how to handle the anxieties. We pray. We pray. We talk to the Lord. And we don't have to speak in English either. We can just pray in tongues. That's even more effective. That's even more effective. Paul tells us how do we how we transcend these situations that threaten our peace of mind. He can tell us. How can Paul tell us? Because he experienced them. Second Corinthians eleven twenty four. Second Corinthians eleven twenty four. Yeah, he did. He experienced a whole lot of annoyances, distractions, and anxieties. He says of the Jews. Five times received our 40 stripes, save one. He says, I was beaten five times. And each time I was beaten 39 times. They, they saved one. Thrice I, was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, they threw rocks at me. Thrice I suffered shipwreck and night and day. I've been in the deep, in journeyings offerings, often, excuse me, in journeyings often, in perils of water. In perils of robbers. I've been robbed before, he says. In perils by my own countrymen. My own people turned against me, he said. In perils by the heathens, them unbelievers, them, 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 them Judaizers and all them folks. I had problems in the city, he said. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. I had perils in the, I had problems in the, I had perils in the sea. I had perils among false brothers. Wherever I was going, I just had perils. They were everywhere. In weariness and painfulness. In watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and naked. I've been cold and naked. And beside those things, when I was dealing with all of that, that which come upon me daily, I had the cares of the churches, he said. So Paul was able to endure these hardships. Why? Because the peace of God kept his heart and his mind. Through Christ Jesus. With extreme confidence, he says, be careful for nothing. In the Greek, careful is merim naho. Merim naho. M-E-R-I-M-N-A-O. Merim naho. Careful. Merim naho. M-E-R-I-M-N-A-O. It means to be worried and or afraid. To be worried and or afraid. So he says, be careful 
for no thing. Be not worried or afraid of the external circumstances and situations that come to threaten your peace of mind. Do not allow external circumstances to disturb your peace of mind. Do not respond to these situations with anger. Don't respond with sadness. Don't respond with depression. Don't respond with fear. That's difficult. That's, that's really difficult. But we can do it. Because we have the power of the Holy Ghost. We can endure it. Instead, he says, pray. Talk to the Lord. Supplicate. Make your need known to him with thanksgiving. And then express gratitude because you are confident that he will hear your prayer and your supplication. It doesn't mean that it'll go away. It doesn't necessarily mean that it'll go away. But it will, what it will mean is that you will be mentally now equipped to handle it. You'll be mentally equipped to, to handle the distractions. You'll be mentally equipped to handle the anxiety. You'll be mentally equipped. Why? Because that's where our strength is. Our strength is in our mind. That's why the scripture says, be of good courage. And it says it a lot in the Old Testament. Be of good courage. Be of good courage. Courage is strength of mind. So we're able to endure the distractions. We're able to endure the anxieties. We're able to endure the annoyances through our strength of mind. And when it's happening, when it's happening, you say, I can get through this. I can get through this. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. He's right here with me. He knows what's going on. And you know, somehow or some way, he will even let you know physically. He will let you know physically that he knows he knows your situation. He will let you know that he hears you. He will definitely let you know because he lets me know when he that he hears me. Hmm. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. Verse 17. This is Psalm 34, 15. Psalm 34, 15. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. He sees and his ears are open unto their cry. He hears. Verse 17. The righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. He delivers me through my mind. He delivers me through my mind. The psalmist says the Lord hears the righteous. Well, guess what? In order to, for him to hear the righteous and be heard, you've got to have the indwelling of his righteousness. You've got to have his righteousness in your soul. One must have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because he's the righteousness of God dwelling in your soul. Making sense to you? Yes. Am I wearing you out? Yes. You said yes? <laughs> and so if we are righteous, if we know for certain that we have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost, then we need not be anxious about anything. We can come to the Lord in prayer and make our requests known. And I guarantee you, when you go, go to him in prayer and you go and you begin to speak in that language that you have, the peace of God that passes all understanding begins to overtake you and calm you and guard your heart and your mind. Hmm. 
And because we have the indwelling of the righteousness of God, the peace of God will manifest in our souls. This will make it possible for us to transcend our emotional and mental responses to the potentially disturbing situations that challenge our peace of mind. That's a long sentence. But this will make it possible. Prayer, supplication will make it possible for us to transcend. I can get beyond, I can go over my emotional and mental these responses that potentially disturb me and they challenge my peace of mind. So how we respond, how we respond to the annoyances, to the distractions and anxieties determines whether they will or will not disturb our peace of mind. How we respond. How we respond. Instead of being reactive, we're proactive. And we're proactive with strength of mind. That determines it. And if we respond with prayer, if we respond with supplication and thanksgiving to our Lord, then disturbing situations will lose their potential to affect our peace of mind. Why? Because the peace of God will keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And you might even just get used to it and deal with it. It just might become the way things are. And that's the way I got to deal with it. So I can't let it upset me anymore. It's not going to get any better. So why should I continue to be upset if it's not going to get any better? That makes sense to you? Now, earlier I mentioned that because peace is a state of mind, of mental calm that transcends the physical, the psychological, and material things of this world, we cannot expect, remember I said this, we can't expect to derive peace from the physical things of this world. We can't, we can't uh, expect to derive things from the psychological babble of this world. We can't expect to receive peace from the material things of this world. So I can't eat myself into peace. I can't eat a dozen donuts and think I'm going to have peace because I will not. I'll have just the opposite. You know, there are two things that ants like. They like sugar and fat. Ants. They like sugar and fat. (laughs) And I can't go with the psychological stuff of this world because that will just confuse me. And actually, a lot of folks end up committing suicide based on the the, the psychological babble of of this world. And material things definitely won't do it. I can't, I can't buy, buy my way out of, out, of, out of stress. I can't buy my way out of anxiety. I can, material things can't satisfy anything. You know what satisfies me? The peace of God that passes all understanding. He's my refuge. He's my fortress. He's my hope. He's my joy. He's my contentment. He's my fortitude. And most of all, he is the strength in the strength of my mind. He's the strength that's in the strength in my mind. Did you get that? He's the strength in the strength that's in my mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this means that our peace has to come from another source. In John 14, 27, John 14, 27, as Jesus was about to go to the cross, he told his disciples, Sister Cooper, he said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives it. Give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. 
Oh, man. Oh. Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. John 16, 33, he says, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Why, Lord? I have overcome the world. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So in both of these passages, Jesus assures us that as well, assures us that as we face the challenges and the cares of this world, he will be our source of peace. As we bear the burdens of circumstances beyond our control, he will be our peace. We need not fear as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Why? Because he will be our peace. Peace in this context is erane, spelled E-I-R-E-N-E, erane, E-I-R-E-N-E. Because we're talking about the peace of God. And so erane, listen, it's the tranquil state of a soul, assured of its salvation through Christ Jesus. It's the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ Jesus. And so, fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly, being content with our earthly lot of whatsoever sort it is. Huh. That's some serious peace. It's a tranquil state of our souls because we are assured that we have salvation in Christ. And therefore, we fear nothing from God because we know that we are at peace with him. So we don't fear anything from him. And we are content now with our earthly lot. Whatsoever sort it is, whatever it is, we've got to be content with it. If we can't change it, we have to be content with it. And let the peace of God that passes all understanding guard our hearts and our minds, which will get us through it and give us the, 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 the strength we need to endure. The peace of God is a state of tranquility, not for our flesh, but for our souls. And see, that's the, that's the thing. Your flesh should just completely go, go berserk. And your soul is saying, what is wrong with you? Your soul is in someplace else. And you're just looking at your flesh just going berserk and crying and screaming and spitting and carrying on. And your soul is saying, it don't take, it ain't, you ain't got to do all that. But as I said, the flesh walks by sight, not by faith. Our souls walk by faith and not by sight. And so that's, that, that's, that's the conflict. That's the difficulty. Because we've been in this body of flesh since we were conscious. Making sense to you? 
So the peace of God is a state of tranquility, not for our flesh, but for our souls. Tranquility means we are free. Free from the annoyances of this of, uh, uh, cares of this life. We're free from the distractions of circumstances that are beyond our control. We are free from all our anxieties. We are free from all of our fears. I sought the Lord. And what did he do? He delivered me from all my fears. All, plural, fears, S, plural. The peace of God is not for the flesh because the flesh cannot be at peace. He says the peace of God passes all understanding because the flesh cannot understand the peace of God. Did you get that? The peace of God is not for the flesh because the flesh can, cannot be at peace. He says the peace of God passes all understanding. Why? Because the flesh cannot understand the peace of God that dwells in the soul. Does that make sense to you? Through the peace of God that passes all understanding, we are assured of our salvation. We are never without hope. No matter how dire the situation gets, we are never ever without hope. We are assured of our salvation. Why? Because the erane of of Christ Jesus is our peace with God. It is our peace with God. We have peace with God. Hallelujah. Hmm. Therefore, being justified by faith. We have peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5.1. Romans 5.1. Therefore, being justified by our faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have the peace of God and we also have peace with God. We have peace with God. We are justified and free from sin. We have peace with God. We shall not see his wrath. We have peace with God. We have escaped the destruction that is to come. And it is on its way. It is on and cracking and coming like crazy. It's going, he's closer now than he ever has been. And, and there's just, and Jesus said it was going to happen. He says, you're going to see troubles and you're going to see things that you have never seen before. Southern California, Northern California, Central California is flooding historically. It has never flooded like that before, historically. And then in the Midwest, they got tornado upon tornado upon tornado and upon tornado. The Arctic is melting and the coastline on the East Coast is melting away. It's eroding away. The ground is opening up and, the, and all this is going on. Then there's earthquakes all and everywhere. There's earthquakes in Spain. There's earthquakes in Italy. There's earthquakes in Iran. There's earthquakes on the coast of California. He says you'll see earthquakes in diverse places. Places. Divers means many different places. Then you got pestilence and diseases. You got COVID. You got uh, RSV. You got the flu. You got the even the birds got the flu. Eggs are ten dollars a dozen because the birds got the flu. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Oh, but Jesus said, when you see all this going on, don't let it shake you. Don't let it shake you. Even if the eggs are $10 a dozen, I'll make sure you, you, you can buy an egg. Don't worry about it. Even if you get sick, you'll get well. You'll overcome. It won't take you out as it has taken a whole lot of people. China's got 60,000 60, people that died in, in a year from that disease. Only with thine eyes will thou behold and see the rewards of the wicked. 
A thousand shall fall at thy right hand and ten thousand at thy, at, 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 thy, uh, th- at thy right hand. But it shall not come nigh thee. I will be with him in trouble because he knows my name. We have peace with God. We're no longer strangers. We have peace with God. He has delivered us from our annoyances. He's delivered us from our distractions. He's delivered us from the anxieties of this evil and wicked world. And not only do we have peace with God, the peace of God dwells in our soul. We just got peace. Just peace around us and peace inside of us. Hebrews 13.20. Hebrews 13.20. Now the peace of God that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make ye perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ our Lord. The peace of God will make you perfect. The peace of God will make you perfect. And when you have the peace of God, it also means you have peace with God. He says the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ. We know who that is. The God of peace is the Holy Ghost. He's the spirit that raised the body of Jesus from the dead. So if the God of peace brought again from Jesus from the dead and the Holy Ghost is the spirit of Christ that raised the body of Jesus from the dead, then the Holy Ghost is the God of peace that will raise us from the dead. John fourteen fifteen. If you love me, John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he shall give you another comforter. Listen, that he may abide with you forever. John 14, 15, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. Why, Jesus? For he dwelleth with you and he shall be in you. So Jesus says the comforter will abide with us forever. He says the comforter shall be in us forever. In verse 26, he says the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. So let's reason this out a little bit, Sister Richmond. The comforter is the Holy Ghost that shall abide with us forever. The comforter is the Holy Ghost that shall be in us forever. So if the Holy Ghost is the so if the comforter is the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost is the God of peace that raised the body of Jesus from the dead, then the comforter is the Holy Ghost and the peace of God. And if the comforter is the Holy Ghost that shall abide with us and be in us forever, then the comforter is also the God of peace that shall abide with us and be with us forever. That makes sense to you. John 16, 7, Jesus told them, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. I've got to go to the cross because if I don't go away to the cross, the comforter will not come. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So the Holy Ghost is the comforter and the peace Jesus promised to send. The Holy Ghost is the comforter and the comforter is the peace of God that passes 
all understanding. The Holy Ghost is the comforter and the comforter is our peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Ghost is the comforter and the comforter is the peace of God that raised Jesus and shall raise us from the dead. The Holy Ghost is the peace of God and he revealed it and made it available to us and he made it available on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Ghost is the only source of peace by which we are able to transcend the annoyances. He's the only source of peace by which we're able to transcend the distractions. He's the only source of peace by which we are able to transcend the anxieties of this world. He is our peace. And he says, the peace I give you, the world cannot give it to you. And if the world can't give you the kind of peace I give you, the world can't take your peace away. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world, Sister Sue, we're going to have some tribulation. But be of good cheer. Jesus says, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. Don't let it get you. you, you don't let it get you. Don't let it get to you. You've got my peace in you. You've got my strength. You've got my joy. You've got my fortitude. The same fortitude that I was able to go to the cross is the same fortitude, same fortitude that you have in you by which you're able to endure your cross. And we all got crosses to bear. We all have crosses to bear. But he says, I'll be with you. I'll be with you in trouble. I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I have overcome the world. And I overcame the world, not for me. I overcame the world for you. I overcame this world for you. So in Christ Jesus, by him and through him, not only do we have the peace of God, we have peace with God. And now as Paul told the Romans, so I tell you. Now the peace of God be with you all. Let's give the Lord some praise. Father, we thank you for those comforting words. You are the comforter. You are our source of comfort. You are our source of peace. You are our source of joy. You are our source of contentment. You are our salvation. Thank you for this word. Your word gives us hope. Your word fortifies us. Your word strengthens us. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name. Anyone in need of prayer this morning? All right. Any questions or comments? Questions or comments?